Hi, welcome back to another episode of Producing Our Podcast. Carrington and JV with me. Yo, what's good? We got the legend Ryan Leslie in the building. What's good, bro? Appreciate that. Appreciate the title, legend, man. You know, that's, that's, uh, <laughs> that's, appropriate that's just a heavy title, you know, coming in, coming into an interview, but I appreciate it. You know what I mean? Already. This is, a, honestly, this is a, a big milestone for me personally because, you know, I started making beats in like 08, 09. And, uh, you know, just as a producer, you know, you first start going down that rabbit hole of content. Yeah. You know, of course, way back then there was way less, nothing compared to what there is now. But, you know, obviously, um, you know, discovered those those cook-up, those infamous, famous cook-up videos, however you want to call them. Um, and I, I kind of want to start there because, uh, you know, you were real super early on putting that content out. Mm-hmm. And uh, I often kind of don't think, you know, you get quite the credit that you deserve as being as early as you were. You know, a lot of time the, it's creditors to the other people that were kind of coming up around that uh, time period doing the same thing. Um, but what really, like, inspired those videos and, like, what made you even put those up? Because I know I've talked to a lot of producers um, you know, especially telling them like, oh yeah, we're getting ready to interview Ryan Leslie. Oh my God, yeah, he used to have a little video. <laughs> the dude playing the bongo. Bro, he goes yeah. crazy, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> yeah. Man, the story behind that is really uh, simple. Listen, I feel like uh, as technology changes and as distribution outlets give people a chance to express themselves, you should always be an early mover, first mover. So whether or not uh, you feel as though I've, I've gotten the credit I deserve, I think really the credit... Uh, I mean, I really feel like credit should just always be shared anyway, right? Um, I think it was Picasso that said, said that uh, good artists copy and great artists steal. Right. And so, you know, I think that there's always been, I mean, there, there was always like a, there's always been a fascination for, I guess, behind the scenes, um, mm-hmm. whether it's documentary filmmaking or now today all like the little producer videos that, that people see or now it's even condensed even shorter right because now it's got to be one minute for instagram or 15 seconds for a story and now it's not even edited right it's, it's mm-hmm. even better if it's just um uncurated just raw, raw straight off the video right straight mm-hmm. off the straight off the phone and so for me i just realized very early on that uh that the internet was going to change the way that music was discovered and distributed and when I first started to play in the sandbox of social media, I mean, I'm talking about Black Planet days, right? Yeah. I just knew that there was an opportunity for me to amplify whatever I was doing by getting on a platform of an information superhighway so that even 10 years later or 20 years later, someone could still find that content and be inspired mm-hmm. by it as if it was the first time. Because that moment of discovery is, is a first for everybody, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, so I just decided like, look, you know, Traditional channels of, of, of distribution, they seemed as though they had quite a few barriers. So as much as I felt like I, you know, I was talented enough that I could have my own MTV special, the minute I saw that YouTube was allowing people to actually just broadcast whatever they wanted to broadcast in the same way that Instagram allows people to curate their lives today, I said, look, I'll just take advantage of that and have my own television channel. And mm-hmm. so... I made a I made a I made a commitment to to one of my boys. Uh, his name is Rashid Richmond. Rashid is the one that put me on to MySpace and was like, "Look, they have these independent artist charts. They have this unsigned artist chart, and it's the one time where you can actually create your own space next to a signed artist, as mm-hmm. long as you can get your numbers up, right?" And so he was he had a lot of ingenuity. He he had gone to UC Irvine, and he had the ingenuity to actually crack the Google algorithm where Basically, he understood how keywords and now now it's considered search engine marketing or search engine optimization. Back then, he just knew that MySpace 
already had myspace.com, which was the number one Google search <clears throat> result, organic. So he said, look, because they're number one, they're not bidding on their keyword. And so that means that as long as we bid on the keyword, we can control two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight mm-hmm. on the organic search results. Yeah, so you were on the SEO early. Man, yeah. early, early. And so basically you needed to have a way, and that's, I, and that's with everything in life. As we talk during this interview, I think we'll always come back to the, the theme of being intentional. Just because you know how to do whatever you know how to do, you have to have an intent. You have to have a, a pathway. You have to have a specific goal so you can measure whether or not you knowing how to do what you know how to do is actually getting you to the outcome or the success to which you aspire, right? So for Rashid, he said, look, I want to be number one or I want someone I know to be number one on the MySpace unsigned or indie chart. And so to the extent that you got some great music, I can add to that with some ingenuity and we can take, I can take advantage of what I know about how the internet works at that time. And Google changed the algorithm about 90 days later, but I can take advantage of what I understand around the algorithm to make sure that I support my friends and I support the folks that I feel deserve a shot, deserve a spotlight. Right. And so, man, uh, we started this on MySpace. MySpace had the little player mm-hmm. and you could put your song up there. And then I, I, was, I was searching around one day and I saw somebody just talking to me from their MySpace page and they had the little YouTube logo on it. And I was like, oh man, I gotta check this out. Mm-hmm. And uh, I said, look, you know, it's great to have pictures. It's great to have the little song, but that that video connection is just next level because, you know, um, audio is one of the rare elements of life which can be enjoyed while you do something else. Right, right. Mm-hmm. When you engage someone in a video, that's why when you go to the movie theater, they turn the lights off and all you do is focus on that video. They tell you to turn your phone off because when you get into that visual element, you actually, to make sure you're not missing everything, you got to pay attention. It's audio and visual. That's why you can't watch TV while you're driving. You know what I'm saying? They don't Mm -hmm. allow it. They don't even want you in New York. You get five points on your license if they even catch you holding your phone while wow. you're driving, right? Because, yeah. but, but you, can play the, you can play music as much as you want as you drive, right? right. So I understood that that visual element was just mm. powerful. And once I saw that YouTube and I checked it out, it was free. I said, man, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm 100%. If MTV takes too long for me to get there or VH1 or BET, they don't know who I am, but I know I'm nice. I'm gonna just show people I'm nice through that in. channel. Go you know what I mean? That channel. Yeah. Yeah, and so that's 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 actually where I start, where it started. I told you I made a I made a commitment. And I think uh I think it's important as well in everyone's journey for success. You have to keep the promises that you make to yourself, and then you need folks that will help you to remain accountable to the promises that you make. So I told Rashid, I said, look, there's this YouTube thing. I'm gonna make a video every single day of my life and just post it, and and I'm gonna call it nsforlife.com. So I went and found the domain, and literally every single day I would walk around with a camera, GL2. At the time, that's yeah. how I know. I walked in, I saw the black magic. I know, <laughs> I know my camera equipment. He's known. I had the DL2 at the time. I would walk around, film what I was doing during the day, set up, do a little testimonial, chop it up on iMovie or whatever it was. Right. And that was going on YouTube. And then as I saw that people were only somewhat interested in me just narrating my day, but they were very interested in seeing me touch the keys and whatever I was doing in the studio, I knew I could then curate and focus the kind of entertainment and the, t- the kind of content that I was producing to make sure that the audience was responding the way that I needed it to respond. And so that's really where, that's really where that was born from. But I, I mean, everything that I do, I would say 
you know, for a kid that got into Harvard when he was 14, everything I do is relatively calculated. I, there's a science to, Definitely to, to, that. to the, you know, to the <laughs> steps that I take in life. And, and so the beauty of having a science to steps that you take means that it can be replicated. And the beauty of being in the age of technology and information that we're in now, like you said, right when we started, you said, look, Ryan, like there's so much more now than was available when I first started going online. That means that the, uh, the availability of information means that whoever's listening to this podcast, the information that's being dropped here can help them to accelerate even faster than I did. I'm going to just tell you how I did it. Now people can go and research what is that next trend and they can be on that next trend because they can actually have access to this because before they, there wasn't a producer grind, you know, podcast. You had to wait for this on, a, on an MTV or a VH1 interview or, or a BET interview. Mm -hmm. You had to wait. Yeah, I, I used to watch those specials, Kanye West or Pharrell, Behind the Music, whatever. Right, right, right. Now yes. you have all this. Now you have this ability where you guys as creators are uh, facilitating the transfer of information and that transfer of information is a great deal of responsibility for those who have the access to that information to uh, process that information and and use that to accelerate success. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm mm -hmm. talking too much, but I'm going to let you ask your question. <laughs> no, you're good. Real. No, you're good. Um, real quick, talking about those videos. So especially like the uh, the addiction one and yeah. uh, the Red Cafe, those were like the two main ones. Those were like, oh my God. Were those edit scripted set or did you have those songs pre-written or were we watching raw yeah in the, you, in the I, moment I, that's how i would that's how i would do it man uh shout out to my my guy evan rogers man um he was living i think in the bronx at the time and he just was like look man you know uh i'm watching your videos and i see you know you're filming yourself i, I just want to I, I just want to come be part of the team and now, I mean, he's going on to, to have an illustrious career as a, a cinematographer, documentary filmmaker. Uh, he's mostly known for a lot of the work that he did uh, or, and, and continues to do with Rihanna. Okay. Um, he did the indirect, he, he co-directed the Cheers video for her, all the behind the scenes, uh, all her studio sessions, fashion photo shoots. He did that. And um, that was really just an extension of Riri's team seeing the work he was doing with me and saying, yo, Ryan, you got anybody else that, that, you know, can you could refer us to? And I said, yo, Ev, you spent so much time rocking out with me, filming countless hours. I'm talking about countless hours. We're talking about terabytes and terabytes yeah. and terabytes of footage that eventually we would just go back and just chop up the, you know, the most uh, engaging mm -hmm. parts. So whether it was, you know, Fast Life in Miami with, with the big French artist Booba, whether it was Red Cafe, I mean, we just... We just pulled up, man. You know what I'm saying? Cafe was in there like, yo, what's up, Ryan? I, you know, I, I, I'm i 30 minutes behind today. I'm always pulling up to the studio a little bit late. I got a phone <laughs> call I'm doing or whatever. And he was there and was just like, yo, man, we, we here. What's up? What you what, what you feeling? And so touched the keys, came with the um, came with the hook, man. He was inspired. And uh, man, all, all of those studio sessions, man, I think that uh, I think that they they have a lot more gravitas when you know that you're actually watching and viewing the moments of Something creation, right? That's the closest right. we actually can get to God, right? That's how right. I feel about creation, right? The Tapping closest we can that. get, yeah, right. man. The closest we can get to God is, is you know, actually having a con I was actually having a conversation uh, with my guy, Dev, um, who runs a lot of uh, creative marketing communication uh, with me. And he said, yo, Ryan, like, when you write songs, 
do you have a melody? And then you put the words, do yeah. you start with the keys, et cetera. And I said, one of the greatest frustrations for me as an artist and a producer is that when I hear songs, they're actually fully done in my mind. They're already mm. done. The lyrics, the harmonies, the keys, the bass line, the drums, how they should, how, how they should hit on the speakers, et cetera. And so I find myself sometimes racing against my mind because I already hear the completed version and I am uh, obviously you can you can imagine just the the power of the 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 human mind. Like, let's just say right now I gave each one of you uh, uh, a twenty million dollar budget to make whatever movie you see in your mind right now. The movie you see in your mind is probably going to cost twenty million. I mean, if you think of Avatar, that's a hundred million dollar movie, right? Mm -hmm. That's someone's mm -hmm. mind that uh, you know uh, really thought about that and and had that inspiration. So for me. I'm hearing everything. I'm hearing the symphony. That's why in the addiction uh, clip at the end, I'm like, yo, the guy's like, yo, man, it's 530 in the morning. I'm like, yo, I can already see this. You know what I'm saying? I see this at the awards show. There's oh, going to yeah. be an orchestra. 50 piece orchestra. Yeah, you yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. I see it all. I see it all the way there. So so a lot of times, um, you know, the what you're viewing is you're viewing me racing against myself to actually catch up with the music that already exists in its entirety, in full completion in my mind, right? So I'm not out here like, you know, looking for sounds or, you know, trying to find a sample or looking for a loop. Or I'm, al I'm already hearing it because also I think just my inspiration musically has always been the greats. So whether it's Jimi Hendrix, whether it's, you know, Freddie Mercury and Queen, I mean, mm. if you listen right now to Another One Bites the Dust, it's still so... Resonates. Sonically is just still just so ridiculously ahead of what we would be able to do, you know, synthetically, right? And so I that's that that's those are the kinds of like large sounds and records and you know synthesizers and progressions that I already hear, you know. So by the mm -hmm. time I'm I'm sitting at a keyboard or by the time by the time I'm actually in a studio, I'm already hearing the whole song finished. And uh, that that's what Ev that's that's what Ev would shoot, man. He would just, you know what I mean. I just hear the whole thing in my, I, I hear the whole uh, composition in my mind. And then sometimes, you know, I'll get surprised, right? Because sometimes, due to limitations, because I'm not, I, I would say I have basic proficiency in all the instruments. Sometimes, due to limitations, there may be a mistake, which I, oh, we just keep that, right? Mm. It might not be exactly what I was hearing, but ooh, I like that just because either my fingers, I didn't have the dexterity or the or the proficiency to actually play the chords or play the, the, the melody line or play the bass line the way that I actually had heard it in my mind. So yeah, but, but, but those studio sessions really just came from that place, that place of just, just roll the cameras and, you know, let's see, let's see, let's see what we create. Now we see in those videos, you know, you're, you're pulling out bass guitars, you're on the gongos, you're on the keys, you're, vocals uh if you were just starting off like nowadays you know you were one of the producers coming up now would you have taken the time to learn all those instruments or yeah yeah i would and the reason i would say that is because even to to make a synthetic instrument respond or hit the way that it's supposed to hit it there's a difference when you actually know how to play a bass. So if you know how to play a bass, you'll know like, oh, okay, I wouldn't do that octave or I wouldn't, 
if I was actually playing it. So right. sometimes whether you have a uh, an actual bass and listen, there is no there listen, this art, so you could make the you could do whatever you want with that sound. Yeah. For me, I just know if, you know, music, music is music and and no matter where I've traveled in the world, you know, you could set up drums and a bass and it's gonna rock. Mm. It's gonna rock. You set up drum and it don't even have to be a full kit. It could just be a kick drum, a snare, and a hi-hat. You don't even need toms and 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 a bass line that's moving and you good. And that's just music. Music and people will feel it and they'll be and it'll be open enough so that somebody, if they're a trumpet player or if they're a, uh, a keyboard player or they're a guitar player, they feel like, oh man, that's 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 already that's already going. I could just jump in with whatever, whether it's your raps or whatever your Keys your vocals or, or whatever it is. It's open enough, right? So that's why I think a lot of times, man. Um, I, I did a I did a performance. Uh, I did a performance at SOBs like when my when, I think it was with Lloyd Banks and. Uh, he asked me to come and, and uh, you know, do a feature or come out and do a cameo in his concert. And I said, look, uh, or maybe it was the opposite of way around where he came. And I did a cameo in mine. And I was like, look, we're not using the track. So if you nice, you're just going to be able to hear like, you know what I'm saying? Like and, and be able to just rock over just the live band, mm. you know, and uh, there was no click track or anything. Mm. The difference, though, is that when I made that record for Banks, it was called. Um, uh oh man now no you know uh I deal with a lot of pretty girls but forgive me if I don't remember you you know what I'm saying uh Banks so forgetful was the name of the record mm. and when you listen to it you could just hear all the elements you know so so even if I even if I didn't have the keys or the bass or if, if I didn't have the keys or the drums but if I sing the bass line boom 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 boom, 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 boom. Boom. Somebody can rap over that. Boom, 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 If you if you if you nice, you can rap over that. You know what I'm saying? So that's that's really for me knowing that and I grew up with with my uh I grew up with my father and his brothers, they would just play and they would always be like, yo, dig in, man. You know, dude, why are you sitting right here in these keys or but then they would also be like look when when it's some when it's another instrument time to shine just sit right here in those mm. keys mm. so they can have their time to shine so for me that's that's the beauty of the tapestry when you you know you have your pro tool session or whatever session you have so you can let different instruments shine mm. you know what i mean they'll just let let the bass just rock take out the 808 for a second because if you if you have a key bass you know what i'm saying yeah, don't don't bass, don't make man. it compete with each other mm -hmm. and um i think that's the reason why i think dre is really one of my favorite all-time producers just because he understands the concept of space mm. in the beats. Space, you know? So I would just listen to how people loved, you know, when when um I think it was the Chronic 2001 came out and there was uh there was a girl in my office that just loved the explosive track. You know what I mean? And I just listened to her, I'd be like, yo, it's just, it's just the guitar, the bass line. And those drums just knock a certain type of way. And I could just listen to that loop forever. You know what I mean? Mm. <laughs> Hell yeah. And I was like, that's it? That's it? But the way it's hitting the speaker, it's almost, it becomes hypnotic because there's, there's that amount of space, you know? 
But yeah, I, I, in in response to your question, yeah, I, I would still take the time to just learn, at least get a certain level of proficiency so you know how the instruments work. So when you're programming, you could get there, you know? I got a question. Yeah. Two two things. One, it sounds like bass line would be one of the most important instruments to first learn if you're going to learn. And then two, um, well, I guess, would you consider bass line mm-hmm. as one mm-hmm. of the most important ones to uh, learn? And then the second is, you were talking about space and talking about explode. Um, that song you just yeah. explode explosive yeah. explosive yeah. When I think of you, the Cassie song, the mm-hmm. me and you, it's the same thing. It's so simple, but it's so complex with the structure. A lot of space. Yeah, exactly. I want you to talk about like what is something that you're hearing now in music, and is it is there a lack of space, and how can someone create that space? Nah, I feel like there's I feel like there's plenty of space, and I also feel like now producers really understand the 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 nuance of you could you could actually just have the same loop the same bpm and the right artists or different artists are all going to bring a different flavor completely to so that's why right now yeah they all bring a different flavor completely to the track so that's why i think right now you know as much as people start complaining like yo everything sounds the same it's the same triple high hats or whatever it's really i feel like now is definitely the time in the age of the actual poet it's the age of the storyteller it's mm. the age so you know you just need any kind of you know as long as that thing is hidden mm-hmm. you need anything that they can respond to say so want to tell their story you know and so i think you know now that as i'm listening to it, as i'm listening to music now i i appreciate that simplicity i mean folks that are in my camp they always laugh though because they're like yo you can put anything on and run and just play it because really it is to this point, that's what I found. It actually, the records that I'm hearing are actually that simple. Mm-hmm. I think there's a YouTube video though where they they actually sing all the greatest pop songs and they're all the same four chords. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, you know. We, we yeah. just went through the Billboard's um, most mm-hmm. streamed songs of all time. Same four chords in the top yeah. what twenty songs, yeah. something Come like on. that. Come on, so so it's the age of the storyteller, and that's that's the beauty of it. Every every single one of us as human beings, we have a story to tell. Our stories are different. Our parents were different. Our school experience was different. Our love life is different. So, I mean, I, th- I feel like there's there's a there's a lane for 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 everyone. And now you could anybody put their music up. There's literally a lane for everyone. Uh, the difference though is, you know, how intentional are you? You know, so are you? Do you just want to get your music out, or do you just want to? Do you just want to? You know hear it back for yourself or do you actually want to make a career out of it and mm-hmm. making a career out of whatever you're doing there are certain uh levels of of uh of intent and specific pathways that you that you need to follow most of them having to do with relationship building and uh and audience ownership uh that that are going to accelerate your pathway to success cuz i mean at the end of the day you know for me i i was definitely about look i i want to be able to make a good living from doing what I love, and then I also want to be as smart as possible uh, with the earnings that I make, so that I never really have to worry about. Just never really have to worry. Period. Right, right. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean. Yeah. So you know what I'm saying. Like people would be like, "Yo, man, Ryan, you know, I, I literally we just we just came from, came from the Clearport right now." You know what I'm saying. And so you know, somebody say somebody say like, "Yo, man, like Ryan ain't put out an album, you know, on a label since 2009. That's 10 years ago. I still see him hopping off of, you know." 
private aircraft. You know what I'm saying? Right. But that's that's really just about great decisions, man, and and and, um, and having the right ha- having the right mentality around you know even just the scarcity of money, the scarcity of attention, the scarcity of uh, of uh, of of concern for what you're doing you know what i mean because that's you know andy warhol said everybody got 15 minutes of fame it might be even shorter now due to the internet age you know what i'm Mm -hmm. saying so once Mm -hmm. you get it the 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 way to maintain it is first really be smart about how you invest your assets and i will say that your assets are not strictly money it's also your time and the more you invest your time in building the right relationships uh you know whether it's you want to have a wife. You got you to invest your time in right. building that right relationship. Got to be the mm-hmm. right person. You want to raise, you know, uh, uh, great members of society for as your kids. You got to invest in that relationship. Uh, and if you want to be great yourself, you got to invest in a relationship in yourself. Uh, mm-hmm. Really um, becoming the best version of yourself that you possibly can be. So really, I think that, uh, I think that, um, I think that, uh, uh, to your question, man. Um, yeah, I think it's, it's definitely important to, uh, it's definitely important to learn whatever you feel like your main interest, instrument is going to be. Because like, I, I, I still like watching Scott Storch right now. He just- Still going crazy. We, we just know that's his instrument. You right. know what I'm saying? Keys, you know, the, those loops, you know what I mean? Those those turnovers or whatever, that's him. And so I think it's great to, to have that kind of signature too, even if it's just an 808 or even if it is your drum programming or whatever it is. But it's also important to just understand that, you know, the producer, man, that's exactly what they're supposed to be. They're supposed to be a producer. So you talked about the Cassie record. I mean, it, it, it was about taking, a, you know, uh, a raw voice from New London, Connecticut, you know, and saying like, look, do do this. You, you ain't gotta be Aretha Franklin. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You ain't gotta be Whitney Houston. You 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 just make sure your vocals is hitting like this, when the and the track is slinky and sexy like that, and it's gonna work because it's music, man. It's it's, it's an art, it's a tapestry, and it's, as long as it hit hit people the right way, and it's honest, you know, people are gonna respond. Mm. They're gonna respond. Mm. Uh, talking more specifically, uh, specifically about Ryan Leslie, the producer. Uh, nowadays, it's real common for producers to make beats at their house, send them off to producers and stuff like that. Now. You being such a songwriter as well as a producer, when you are strictly thinking about production and you're you're creating for other artists, is it always does it always come out as a as a reference track, or do you ever just create beats and just kind of just send beats? Or yeah, I, I used to get into a lot of uh, disputes with management, et cetera, just because I'm I'm always a hundred percent producer, right? So people would be like, "Yo, I know you got some heat," and I'm like. To, you know, turn on the keyboards. I'll make you some heat, but you know what I mean? I'm not just sitting in my house and just like stacking up on a bunch of, you know, a bunch of, uh, a bunch of loops or beats, mm. et cetera. I, I literally just like, I literally have zero available beats right now. Well, we go damn. to the studio, we go to the studio and I'll, I'll cook up. Now I'll tell you, you know, my come up was really, you know, out of the, out of the internship experience with Young Lord. So yeah. Young Lord was one of the hitmen. Mm. He gave me a 30-day internship. He was, you know, as you know, a lot of the bad boy sound, even Puff said it, you know, take hits from the 80s, make it sound crazy, right? Mm. The issue with taking hits from the 80s and making it sound crazy is that when that hit goes, 
you feel crazy because <laughs> your publishing is going you to original, going, going to original <laughs> copyright holders, right? Yeah. So Young Lord, you know, very talented um, producer, right? He knew what sounded right. Puffy, incredibly talented producer, knows what sounds right. And uh, Young Lord was like, look, man, you know, I, I'm looking for somebody that can, can, can put that feel over my drums. And so that's what I came to New York City to do was a 30-day internship unpaid putting that feel over some drums that he had. And uh, those records turned into, you know, Beyonce, Keep Giving Your Love to Me on the Bad Boys 2 soundtrack, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And, um, you know, for me, I always, I always, 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 in the very beginning, uh, and the reason why I think my process changed is that in the very beginning, because I knew I had a shot, I was making nine records a day, kind of like beats. And I remember playing them for Puff, and Puff was like, yo, these are all great. They're just, they're just loops. You gotta, mm. you gotta sequence them out. Like, you know, mm. the, where's the bridge? Where's mm. the, where's the hook? Where you gotta let, you know, artists gotta feel like, oh, I'm gonna jump in right here, right? So then I would actually got to the point where I'm making nine fully complete joints, and then they were just sitting there. And the reason why I completely, uh, the reason why I completely pivoted my strategy to a uh, producing records for myself and b producing records for Cassie was because I had some control on the release. And so it's different now. You actually can have some control on a, on a release because you can just release it through DistroKid and now it's on Spotify the next day, two days later. At that, at that juncture, you would turn your record in. I got records with Jeezy that's still unreleased. And so the way that publishing worked back then and probably still now is that you had a minimum delivery commitment. So that means that certain number of records had to be released within a year's time for you to re-up your publishing. Deal. As an artist or producer or both? As, as, a, as, as an artist or producer. Okay. So the way, and I'm not sure how familiar you guys are with publishing deals. Basically, the publisher will give you an advance against royalties. Right, right. And when the publisher gives you advance against royalties, they're expecting that records are going to come out to earn those royalties mm -hmm. so they can recoup mm -hmm. the advance they gave you. And so they put a clause in your contract that, a minimum number of records has to come out before they re-up and give you another advance, right? Mm -hmm. And so if you're a producer making a lot of beats and just sending them around and you really have, uh, you know, very limited no control, control over when up. the records are getting released, then you could be sitting in a publisher deal for a, for long, a long time, time. Before, you get a, mm. before you get your advance again. And mm. also nowadays, I'm not sure how it's working nowadays. I'm, you know, I'm seeing people selling beats on uh, beat camp or beat stars or wherever it is for $250 or whatever. $30. For me, I was about my paper. Okay. I was about my paper. So I was like, look, I know I'm talented and I want to understand how do I go get the biggest deals? The way you get the biggest deals is you got to be able to control your releases. So for me, I was like, look, yeah, it's great working for the bad boy camp. Sometimes people get shelved. Sometimes people's records don't come out for two years. I'm making records for myself. I'm going to get my publishing deal tied to a, a record deal where I am making the records and certain number of records on my album are counting towards my minimum delivery commitment. Mm. And then with Cassie's record, I produce the whole thing. So that means that also with the MySpace, where I'm controlling the distribution, I, I was about my paper. Once again, it's a scientific approach Never thought to about making like sure mm. I am in control. I want to have as much control as possible of my destiny, right? The the 
the caveat, or I would say the the running philosophy or the running thesis or the accepted, the accepted, uh, uh, the accepted, whatever we would call it, the structure of making it in the music business is that you need to be lucky. At some point, there, there needs to be some luck that happens. And I sincerely, inarguably, unequivocally believe that with the right intent, the right relationships, you can reduce your dependency on luck. And so for me, when I'm betting, I want to be able to bet on myself. That's why I want to be in the best shape I possibly could be. I want to be in the best shape mentally, emotionally, physically, psychologically, so that when I have either money or time or any type of assets, I can bet on myself. I know that's going to be a safe bet. I keep the promises I make to myself. Mm -hmm. If I say I'm going to make nine beats a day, I'm making nine beats per day. I'm not waiting for somebody to send me loops. I'm mm -hmm. not complaining about my, uh, I'm waiting for the right equipment or crack software, whatever it is. <laughs> I'm, I am making that happen and I'm going to set measurable goals and I'm going to set goals that I can attain. And it's, and to me, I mean, you know, really recently I've, I've just been um, kind of rashing out in the gym and, you know, you start out and I think, you know, one of my friends, um, his name is uh, Henry Quintana. He, he started out with me. He said, look, when you get in the gym, just have no ego. If you can only push up 25 pound dumbbells, just get in there and push, them, it, right? jump, push, push them dumbbells up and make sure that you you keep to whatever you promise you're going to do. You go do three sets of 10, you, you do them three sets of 10. Go down in the weight, but keep mm. that promise you make to yourself. Mm. And so I would always recalibrate, readjust the promises I made to myself in terms of output, in terms of who I wanted to work with, in terms of the relationships I wanted to have, mm. how many managers I wanted to know, how many um, you know song deals I wanted to do. Keep those promises you make to yourself because it, 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 uh, it breeds confidence, you but know what I mean? Sir, sir, yeah, go ahead. Go when ahead. you readjust though, right? Yeah. And you make those promises, do you feel a conflict? It's like, I'm going back on my promise because I have to readjust. Nah, nah, it's, it's, it's about being honest with yourself. You know what I'm saying? And, and a lot of times, a lot of times, the first promise you make to yourself, it may not be honest. It may be your ego. You know what I'm saying? So That's sometimes you gotta point. put your ego in check. You That's put your point. ego in check and then you're like, okay, and sometimes it takes a humbling experience. You know what I'm saying? It takes a humbling experience. Trying to look uh, that 25. Uh. Yeah, yeah. And then you say, you know what? Let me be honest with myself about what I can actually achieve. And then that helps you to know yourself better. Right. Helps you to know yourself better. And then your growth is going to be that much more uh, real. That your growth is going to be that much I more. Yeah, yeah, for real. Mm -hmm. You know? One thing uh, that resonated with me that you just said um, when you said to be prepared, you know what I mean? And are, you know, you go to the gym every day and you're ready. And one thing that I've learned, I don't know if it's uh, like a, something I learned when learning about the law of attraction is you got to be ready for opportunity. Oh, like yeah. if you're, if you're not ready, how do you expect Diddy to call you and be like, yo, I got this for yeah. you. But you might, oh shit, I'm not ready. Let me, <laughs> let me put my pants yeah. on. Let me get some, let me make some beats. You know what I mean? Yeah. Not all the I way ready. I played the keys in a month. Yeah. And I've, I've heard you talk about opportunity costs. Yeah. So what opportunity costs are producers taking by just jumping out, going out into it? You know, I'm going to move to, I'm going to move to New York City, I'm going to move to Atlanta, I'm going to couch hop, I'm going to just make beats, I'm going to, and not really preparing. What's the opportunity cost there? Yeah. Well, I mean, listen, if you're nice, you're just nice. You know what I'm saying? People are going to recognize it. I mean, listen, it's like uh, people who can't even sing, they could recognize when somebody's great on American Idol. Mm -hmm. I know how I many, how many couch critics exist out there that you could just literally, and 
we also have to understand that the human mind is it it has always worked relative it, it, it always makes decisions relatively okay so that means that you can hear three people sing and if one's really bad then one that's not even that good is going to sound really shine, good because yeah. we always Compare. make decisions mm -hmm. relatively mm. all right so that's why you know people say like look you know you always want to put yourself in a room where it's smarter people than you around in whatever area where you know you're, you're not the best, but you also want to make sure that whatever area that you're coming in, yeah. that value proposition is just going to be clear. So they want to keep you in a circle. So, I mean, I think people have seen legendary interviews of, of Jay-Z talking about Kanye. just saying, like, look, we just wanted to keep the music around. You know what I'm saying? We weren't sure if he could rap or not, but we, that music was just way too good. We just wanted to keep, oh, he needs a record deal to stay over here? Let's give him one, mm. right? So that's what I mean. And I think your question is like, when you decide to just go couch surfing or move to whatever city, I personally believe that's one of the greatest decisions you possibly can make because mm. irrational decisions are made when there are emotional connections. Irrational decisions are made when there are emotional connections. So what I mean by that is, let's give it a case in point. All right, how many, how many times if you, let's just say your, your mom or your grandmother ask you to do something and you know, I guess it's never irrational to do something nice for your mom or your grandmother. Now let's just say <laughs> it's a perfect stranger, right? Yeah. And um, you know, you have to choose between your mom and your girlfriend. Your mom doesn't like your girlfriend. Your, your girlfriend is a stranger. You only just met her eight months ago, but you gotta choose between your mom and your girlfriend. Because of the emotional connection that you have with your girlfriend, what happens is you might make an irrational decision. Mm. It's not the best decision, but it's because you're emotionally connected to them, right? And so emotional connections are built by, they're built by frequency of communication and proximity, right? So the, the bond that you guys have from working on this podcast is gonna be stronger than somebody just coming in and being like, yo, I'm a great, you know, podcast producer. You'd be like, yeah, that's cool and everything. <laughs> but we, we, and guess what? Y'all may make an irrational decision. Maybe that person is better on, you know, audio engineering, better interviewer, et cetera. You guys have an emotional connection. You're gonna pick each other before you pick a stranger. So the ability for you to actually infuse yourself into a camp or infuse yourself into the fabric of the music industry by being an outsider, your chances are gonna be much lower than if you actually go and actually infuse yourself physically in the proximity of people with whom you'd like to work. Jump on and then the as man. long as those people like you, they might make irrational decisions. They might be like, So you, you wanna get into the emotional you connection. Got, you gotta get into mm -hmm. that game. That You're gonna win every single time. You're gonna win every single time in that game. Just think. A mother will, that's why people say, look, you know, your mom is always going to love you. You know what I'm saying? Your mom is always going to think your art is good. You right. know, your little watercolor. Even when it's ira irrational. Yeah. Whether, you know what I'm saying? So if you understand that that is the reason and that is what it takes to get that kind of like uh, almost uh, universal acceptance and you had to live with your mom for 17 years to get there, then you need to get to work as quickly and as soon as possible in trying to deliver 17 years of, of acceptance in a new circle. You know what I'm saying? So it's about frequency of communication and proximity. The beauty of technology is that you actually can 
communicate frequently. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You get on text, you get on call, you hit people up, hit them on the FaceTime. You know what I'm saying? I was, I was having uh, I was having brunch the other day with Slow Bucks and uh, shout out to Slow Bucks. Yeah, shout out to Slow man. And uh, man, you know, he, we just sitting at brunch and he got two FaceTime calls. One was Jim Jones, the other one was Fabulous. Right? They just tapping in. And so no matter where Slow is moving, he could be in LA, be in Atlanta. You know, he's always moving everywhere. The the beauty and the wonder of like this piece of glass that we are able to just have in our pockets at all times, it's worthless unless you're using it. Mm-hmm. And what I would say is that the number one way, like I said, to reduce your dependency on luck and getting more placements and getting to the money, getting to the bag, getting into the right rooms, getting into award shows, whatever, you have to use this piece of glass. I would say that, and I put y'all on the spot right now, if you went into your contacts right now and we just looked at how many contacts you actually have in your phone, right? Mm -hmm. My estimation is that you're only probably in touch with maybe 3% of the contacts. Somehow those people made it into, yeah, if that. Somehow those people actually made it into your phone. Now, there was a movie that came out that came out a while back called Limitless. And the concept and premise of the movie was that we only use 3% of our brain, right? Mm-hmm. So if we only use 3% of our brain and we're doing all right as, you know, human civilization, and then we reapplied that to the fact that we're only using about 3% of the people that we've ever met in our phones, my goal, my aim has always been to how do I increase that percentage? Because mm-hmm. the more conversations that I'm having, the more opportunity I'm creating. Every conversation is a, is a, is a, is a current. And so people say, oh, well, you know, currency, money's currency. You, you're only, it's only, it's, it's, it's only currency if there's a current, right? So mm-hmm. that means that if you have, let's just say you met somebody, you met a music manager, or you went to, I mean, the number of kids I know who go to South by Southwest, they go to A3C, they go to Revolt Music Conference, they go to whatever, whatever. They're handing out their CDs, they're handing out their main business cards, they're their flyers. They got people in their phone, they, can, they collect them, and then they go back and just hang with their boys. <laughs> and I'm just like, yo, bro, like, are you even having a conversation? Are you even getting in? Are you even top of mind when there's going to be an opportunity? Maybe there's a commercial, maybe there's a video game, maybe there's an uh, independent album, maybe there's somebody you really thought was dope, and then you'd be like, oh, man, Yo, I had his number from last year at A3C. He just blew up. Like, people really just aren't, I would say, to this point, uh, I mean, it takes a lot of recalibration. A lot of what I'm talking about right now, just, I really would, I went to Harvard, okay? I really wish somebody would have just sat me down and taught me this. Just said, look, you you have an electronic device, piece of glass in your hand that literally connects you to the entire world, whether it connects you to the world via your social media, your Instagram, whatever, or it connects you directly to people whose phone numbers you have in here. If you're not making 30, if you're not where you wanna be financially, if you're not where you wanna be in your career, and you're not making 30 phone calls a day minimum, mm. then you, yeah, there is something to be said, like your, like the question you posed, which is like, get nice before you start calling everybody mm-hmm. and then you send them stuff, you're like, yo, this is trash, right? But if you're nice and you feel like, and that's how I felt when I started doing my YouTube videos, I was like, I'm nice. Okay, I've spent 10,000 hours. I feel like, yo, my beats is hitting just the same way as Jermaine Dupri or whoever else is out here. You know what I'm saying? I'm nice. So at that point, 
I wish someone would have had the same conversation that we're having right now, which is like, yo, Ryan, if you feel like you're not where you want to be in your career financially, professionally, et cetera, and you're not making 30 phone calls a day, the same amount of time that you're spending like, yo, I'm, I'm getting nice with my keys. You better get nice with your relationship building. And mm -hmm. guess what? It doesn't cost any money. Like, once you pay your hundred dollars or whatever it is for your phone bill, it doesn't cost you extra to make the phone calls. Right. It costs you your time. Most people just don't have the 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 uh, they they have to recalibrate, man. They got to recalibrate their minds to be intentional. You know what I'm saying? If y'all huh. wanted to have this podcast on, you know, syndicated on, you know, uh, iHeartRadio, for example, it's not. We're in an age of connectivity and connection and communication. You could go find whoever the producers or whoever it is at iHeartRadio and you just make the calls till they're tired of you calling them. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like you could go get anything that you want to get. They'll you can you get meeting. anything mm -hmm. that you want to get. If you're nice, you're consistent because also most people just aren't consistent. They might have a nice little beat here and there, but they're not consistent. They're like, oh yeah, man, I got... I caught a nice one, bro. I'm good. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but the folks that are consistent, right. mm. you know what I'm saying? That's why Storch, I, that's why I feel like Storch is having that comeback. Like, and I, I won't call it a comeback, you know what I'm saying? Because that's my, you know what I mean? I have a lot of respect for him. <laughs> but at the end of the day, he's just consistent. Mm -hmm. You put him in front of the keys and be like, yo, what you hear? You get, I got these drums. What up? You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And so, like, listen, man, I think that, uh, and we'll take it back to the gym. Mundane tasks done over and over and over again have lasting results like lasting results and it's not even hard you know what i'm saying some of it comes down to genetics and you know your diet etc but the tasks are i mean anyone could you want to be you want to you want to be jacked up and ripped and you know what i'm saying cut up it's the same things right over and over and over and over again and i believe that's literally anything in life you know what i'm saying when you want to train your mind and if you want to really build, you want to be, you know, the Arnold Schwarzenegger of communication, you just got to, you got to put the dumbbells up, man. The dumbbells are either the text or the phone calls, man. You know what I'm saying? And listen, somebody's, somebody has an introduction to somebody who, you know, and they, and people always want to be the plug. I mean, we, people talk about that in, 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 in hip hop. Yo, that's the plug, man. He knows everybody. Somebody wants to be able to connect you with, with whatever opportunity you want. And the reason is, is because like, like I said, it's all, it's, it's all about like currency, man. It's, it's, uh, you'll remember somebody that looked out for you, you know what I'm saying? And then, you know, I think it's, it's our responsibility to pay it forward. So you remember, oh yeah, somebody looked out for me. I see another young person that's trying to come up. Like, I'm not always going to be the person that's on top. I got to pay it forward. I got to mm -hmm. give them an opportunity. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I was at the I standard, um, I standard, uh, you know, shout out to Jay Hatch and the folks over at iStandard. They get they they uh they honored me the other night. And um he said, Yo, you know, give some words of inspiration to everybody. And we I already had a whole conversation. I'm like, well, listen to what I said. No, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but but he said, give some words of in encouragement or inspiration. And and the reality is, uh, you know, whoever's running the music industry today, in 40 years, they won't be. In 20 years, they probably even won't be. You mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? So that means you have that shot. You have that shot. Like, you know what I'm saying? I think, uh, you know, Nipsey and I, you know, we, we would build on just like technology ideas, you know, non-traditional entrepreneurial ideas, books that we read, et cetera. At the end of the day, though, you know, his mantra was just like, yo, I just didn't give up. I just I just kept going. You know what I mean? I just, like people said uh, other folks would literally just fall by the wayside. They, 
folks that was like, oh, you ain't gonna make it, yeah, yeah, whatever. I just I just stayed true to my vision and just kept going. At the end of the day, the the real beauty of investing in relationships is it's very rare that you meet someone who stays in the same place in their life because all of us want to move forward. Mm. All of us want to move forward. So when you meet someone at the beginning of their career and you invest in that relationship, it's not that they're just going to stay there and they'll always be there. I would say cut people off very quickly if they just are staying right there because yes. that's that's time and investment that you could be Absolutely. investing in someone else Wait. that's moving right. forward, right? Make the investments in the relationships. And that's the other thing. And sometimes people try to shoot for, uh, yo, I, 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 you know, I want to work for Puff Daddy or I want to work for Ryan Leslie. I want to work for Swiss Beats or I want to work for whoever else it is. And the beauty is that, like, you know, when Puff came up, he was working with his own crew. You know what I'm saying? You could you could make your crew into the crew. Right, you know what right, I'm saying? Right, right. But invest in relationships and put people around you that want to move forward because it, it, just like in the stock market, when you make that investment, you want it to grow. You don't want it to draw down, go backwards. You know what I'm saying? And you also don't, you would consider it a failure in the stock market if it stayed the same. Right. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? You ain't making nothing. You got to lose it. You, you know what I'm saying? Money. Yeah. If it's yeah. not growing, yeah. you lose yeah. it. Over time. Yeah. yeah. Now, I, one thing I picked up, you know, from doing my research on you, you, how passionate are and skillful you are in communication. I've heard you talk about, even in this interview a couple of times, being intentional about building relationships. What's some real practical advice you can give on being intentional? And those 30 phone calls a day, what do those look like? Listen, I've had folks try to do that challenge and then they're just like, yo, I don't even know what to talk about. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was just like, yo, what's up? I know, you know a lot I mean? of viewers at home are probably the yeah, same. Yeah, so here, here's what I would say. Uh, I'm, I'm actually, I'm, I am, I am, I'm working uh, with, uh, I'm working, I'm, I'm working right now on, on, on a, on a book I'm, because Fire. like, yes, I definitely did all the producer videos, et cetera. And so I, I believe that it's important for us as we learn, it includes y'all, as you learn to leave a trail of knowledge so that somebody that creates a runway for somebody else to take off. Right. And so what I would say is that when you make your 30 phone calls a day, you just got to think about what's the circle. Who is in the circle that's critical and crucial to your success? So let's just take, for example, you're an independent artist, right? You're an independent artist, right? What, what are the elements and the relationships that you need in order to be successful? So let's just say you're just a singer. Well, you probably need some beats, right? So you're 30 phone calls a day, five of them, and I, we'll just pick six categories, and now you have five of, in each category, and that'll make up your 30. Do you know five producers that you just call to catch up with? Yo, what's inspiring you? What you listening to? Yo, you got anything new? Yo, I made such and such melody over this track, whatever. You got five producers. So that's your producers. Now you're a singer. Now you got five producers. And now those five producers, they're probably working with other people. So they might be like, yo, you know what? I Like, yo, what you doing with that hook? I got somebody in the studio mm -hmm. right now. And then you got your five producers, right? So that that's one category. You're a singer, you need some producers. Mm. Then you make an actual record, right? Let's say the record takes off on Spotify. How many music managers or music lawyers do you know? Mm. Right? Most people are like, "Yo, man, this took off, man. I don't even know nobody." You know what I'm saying? <laughs> How many music managers and music lawyers do you know? Uh there's a kid by the name of Kent Garrett who um came and worked for me. He still, you know, works pretty closely with my organization uh at Superphone as well. And I said, yo, Ken, how did you, you know, how did you, you know, come across working with me? He said, well, I looked at all my favorite albums 
and I looked at wow. the credits of all my favorite albums and I found the email addresses of everybody who was named in the credits of my favorite albums and I emailed all of them to see who would respond. You were one of the few people who actually responded. And so that's how he came to start working with me, right? Mm. So legal representation, and it's a little, I would say it's a little bit more challenging to find now, mostly because it's rare that you actually have sort of the album credits and everybody kind of listed out nice and clear for you, right? Um, but at the at the same time, I would say, pull look, pull the mic up a little yeah, bit. yeah, sorry about that. I would say at the same time, though, you can actually decide like, okay, I want to find five, yeah, my, my fault, yeah. I would say that you want to find five producers, five lawyers, five managers. Oh, now you need a cover for your music, you know what I'm saying? You need a cover, somebody do some graphic design, five graphic designers. So when, when, when you, when you have a single that needs to come out tomorrow and your first graphic designer can't do it, you got two, three, four, five, right? Five graphic designers. And then maybe you don't want to just do graphic covers. You want to have some dope photo photographs or so five photographers. And maybe now it's time to actually do that video. So you need five videographers. Mm -hmm. they, those might be the photographers, but that might be the videographers. And then now that you got your video, you want to make sure it's on the actual blog. So how many journalists do you know? Or how many PR people do you know? Because sometimes PR people, they actually want to charge you. So maybe the journalists, may, they might just mess with your music. So they'll they'll put it. And so the beauty of building those relationships, and I'll tell you right now, I had a, um, I had a Forbes article that was written uh, about Superphone. And it, it, was, uh, it was with a friend of mine by the name of Julian Mitchell. And, and so, you know, the beauty is that, like, that interview didn't happen because I had a publicist. It mm -hmm. happened because I had a relationship with the Organic. journalist. That's what he was writing about. He was interested in it. We just made it happen. I happened to be in LA. I was like, yo, pull up at, at my suite. You know what I'm saying? I pin out suite somewhere. He pulled up with his little camera crew and made it happen. And the thing went on to get 80,000 views on Forbes, right? And that's a lot of views for a Forbes article, right? Because we're not talking about like a, we're not talking about like a Justin Bieber video here. Yeah, we're talking yeah. about literally a Forbes article, right? 88,000 yeah. views, right? And so I would say that, you know, the intentional, being intentional means knowing, you have to know who's going to be critical and crucial to your success so that you could be intentional about building a relationship with them. And I would say that, look, it's a rare human being that actually has that circle of five fives mastered. I will say this, you find a human being that has that circle of fives mastered and you're going to find a very, very successful, well-connected human being and normally success and well successful and well connected are connected they i mean they they're correlated you know what i mean they're they're correlated mm -hmm. so that's what i would say is like look you know if you have to make 30 phone calls a day like sometimes they they, they might have to be cold calls you know what mm -hmm. i'm saying they might have to be like okay i can't get to the 30 phone calls because i need to jump into some direct messages or you know what i'm saying send out some emails or whatever it is or I need to show up at some events and get some phone numbers. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But or, or you could just start looking through the phone numbers that you actually connected, that you already have in your phone, and just ask for an introduction. Mm. People, I mean, listen, for me, I'm I, like, if it was easy for everybody to be swole, then everybody would be swole. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, is the number of fitness Instagram pictures and goals and la 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 hashtag and everything. If it was easy, people would do it. It actually is easy. It actually is easy. You it's just got to get up. Game. You just got to get up and go to the gym every day. You got to get up and run. I mean, even if you just ran 30 minutes every day, right? 
for whatever reason, maybe we just in a time where we're just in a time where we're comfortable. And I've, I've, I'm just never, you know, I, I, I do have a great deal of comforts in my life. Uh, but I still, I still just have a great also deal of just appreciation for, you know, what a time to be alive right now. You know what I mean? And so there's more to get. So just go get it. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? There's, there's a greater place that all of us can actually get to, whether it's in our music, whether it's in professionally, personally, you know, in our relationships, et cetera. But that's, that's the advice I would have is just pick that circle of fives. You know what I'm saying? If you're a personal trainer, who are your five greatest clients and go ask them for referrals. I mean, mm. this is all actually Basic any, sales. any, any, yeah. Any great salesperson is going to tell you this as well. You know what I mean? Zig Ziglar. <laughs> yeah. Straight up. Yeah. What are some uh, communication turnoffs for you? Man, uh, it's gotta be a value exchange. It always has to be a value exchange. Somebody's just calling me to just call me for what they would, you know, I've actually had people call me up. Yo, can you pay my student loans? Wow. Whoa. You know? And, you know, maybe there's a great reason. Maybe there's a great reason, you know? But for me, if I'm I'm like, if you're if you're actually capable of working, like you should go make your money and, and allocate some of that money to your student yeah. loans. That's an investment you made in yourself, right? You know what I mean? Um, and so like for me, it's it's about a value exchange. You know, you want to make sure I th I think that any conversation is as is only as valuable as the knowledge that's exchanged in the conversation. So to make this make sense, I always have to bring it back to romance. All right. So let's just say someone's just calling, this is a girl or, you know, if you're, if you uh, ladies out there is listening, is a guy you like and you're on the phone with them and they just not saying anything you want to hear, then the conversation starts not really being that valuable. You mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? So you want somebody to be like, Oh, let's go to dinner or, Let's hang out. Let's, you know, let's watch X, Y, Z film. You want conversations to lead to some outcome that you desire, mm -hmm. right? And so I also believe that, uh, and, it, and it's kind of funny when you, when you put it in the context of like romantic relationships, the amount of time that people spend investing in romantic relationships and then something goes wrong, you literally never talk to that person again. Like you intentionally don't talk to that person again. It's crazy when you think about all that, all of the time that you could have been investing in maybe not romantic relationships, platonic relationships that mm. could still be alive and rocking for you. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and working Lucrative. for you. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? And so like, look, I'm, I'm not, I'm not trying to discourage anybody. Obviously, you know, I'm not married, so I'm not trying to discourage anyone from, you know, investing their time and, you know, procreating and having a wife <laughs> and kids and all that other stuff. But I will say this, like, you know, Raising a kid is a lot more fun when you have less to worry about in terms of bills and, you know, mm -hmm. restrictions. Mm -hmm. Oh, my kid wants to be in this sports club or go on this trip or, you know, I'm not really, I, I, don't, I don't know necessarily if I'm going to, you know, let my kids like run me to the mall and buy them a bunch of clothes and whatever. But in terms of experiences, I know that even my parents in the Salvation Army and, they, you know, they still serve in the Salvation Army. They just made sure like, you know, Ryan had experiences, you mm -hmm. know, uh, he 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 traveled abroad. He you know he took karate lessons. He you know he he went to private schools, but then we took him to the boys and girls club so he can get his you know get, you know world. just yeah just totally get just swept <clears throat> up on a basketball court. You know what I mean? <laughs> and it's crap. Yeah, straight up. You know what I mean? And so like that's really the wealth. Um, that's really the wealth that I that I would want no one to be deprived of is uh, 
is just having the and having the means to provide experiences on that level. The beauty, though, once again, is that the right relationships can create those experiences where you don't even have to pay for them. You don't even have to pay for them. And that's 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 one of the that's one of the pieces of the puzzle, man. Like going to Harvard or going to a private school and being able to go to so-and-so's house because he's a vice president of this bank. It doesn't cost any money to go and do that and, and, and be there. And so, you know, uh, man, I, I would just say there has to be a value, there has to be a value exchange. People, you have to be saying something that's leading someone to a desired outcome. Now, what I would say about that is there are elements which work in your favor with regards to that. And the greatest element that works in our favor with regards to that is the fact that helping is one of the greatest pleasures in life as a human, right? And I'll put, I'll put it in perspective. Let's just say you got a couple extra dollars in your pocket, somebody's behind you at McDonald's or Starbucks and you, you, know, you see them kind of staring at the menu and they don't have enough to you know, get their full meal. You know what I'm saying? They can only mm-hmm. afford a quarter pound but they actually really wanted to get a full meal, right? And you got a couple extra dollars. The feeling that you have of just being able, you know, get what you want, man. I got you. You know what I'm saying? That feeling, that that feeling means that even if you don't have something to give and you can give someone the pleasure, and I'm talking about specific pleasure of help Mm. that they can give you, that's still a value exchange. Mm. It's still Mm. a value exchange, which means that either you're offering Right, either your offering and your offering is a value, or your ask is a value, wow. and your ask has to be spe- specific enough that someone who's on the other end is like, "Yo, that's nothing to me. Of course, I can make that happen. Run I got back. you." Hold on, hold on. You- run it back, run it back. Oh. <laughs> Say that one more time. Yeah. All right. When you get on the phone and it, it's about a value exchange, either your offering has to be valuable, like, "Hey, I got five dollars for you," or mm-hmm. "Hey, I want to come work for you," or "Hey, whatever," or your ask has to be specific enough that the person on the other line is like, yo, of course I could do that. It's a small thing to a giant. I got you. And it'll be mm. pleasurable and for him. Absolutely. Oh, mm. got you. That's and it's valuable. You. It's valuable. Mm. That's that's the reason why, that's the reason why sometimes you just ask someone what they want for Christmas or their birthday, right? Because the, the, the minute you get it for them, you feel like, yo, I'm good. That's you know what I'm saying? Wanted. That's exactly what they want. And they happy too. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Right, right. They happy too. So the bottom line is like, the value that you you know it's about really just thinking about the world in in as real you got to keep it a stack you know what i'm saying cuz you're not always going to have something to offer when you don't have something to offer offer the opportunity for someone to help and be able to help you in a meaningful way the greatest gift that you can give to somebody who gives you an opportunity is what you do with that opportunity, mm. right? So that is the value proposition, right? So that's why it's like, look, somebody give you an opportunity, you squander the opportunity, that's on you. That's on you because they felt good to give you the opportunity you drop in the, the first place. Don't drop the ball. Mm. Don't drop the ball. Be built, condition your mind, recalibrate your mind, your, your, your body, whatever it is, to be your best self. So that you know, you 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 uh, you make people uh, excited, motivated to give you chances and mm. give you opportunities because they're like, yo. And I, I mean, it's like in sports. It's like, yo, yeah, that guy a ball, man. <laughs> he's gonna do something. He's 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 running that he's running that thing all the way to the end zone. You know what I'm saying? Give it to him. An opportunity. Yeah. 
Yeah. I got, I got a question for you. So yeah, go ahead. You keep saying like, I, I, I want to ask you, how do you keep yourself in line when you keep when you keep saying how, like, how do you keep yourself in line every day, like mm-hmm. making these phone calls, like, yeah, because there's plenty of information every day that we can go on our phones and just. Like, you can listen to a podcast all day if you wanted to. You can listen to educational things all day, but we don't. Yeah. The average person doesn't. So how yeah. do you make yourself do it every day? Listen, the world is the way it is because people are built differently. And so for me, I'm interested in sharing as much knowledge as possible so that people that do want to be built differently and built for success, they just do it. You know what I mean? And so for me, uh, listen, I, I know that... uh. I know I I knew coming up that I wanted to change my family's trajectory. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I was the first person in my family to go to Harvard. I was the first person from my high school to go to Harvard, uh, Bear Creek High School in, in, in Stockton. And um, you know I'm probably the first person in my family to ever see you know a six figure check all at once. You know what I'm saying? And so you know when you when you're given that kind of opportunity and you realize there's more out there to get, it's it's uh, I feel like it would be. Um, it would be tragic uh, and it would be uh, disrespectful to the opportunity, to the people who paved the way for you to have that opportunity to to go any less hard than the hardest you possibly could go. You know what I'm saying? So when you wake up with that kind of mentality, you just, you know, it becomes, you start to enjoy that process. You know what I'm saying? And and I think that's really, uh, listen, um, I never, I never, uh, uh, I never been drunk before in my life. Right. And, and people, man, you know, uh, you don't like alcohol. And I said, well, I just never acquired a taste for it. You know what I'm saying? And actually, to be real, when you first start drinking, like it's, it's bitter. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, you, it. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? After a while, though, you can learn to acquire a taste for, you know, oh, man, you know, I'm going to have some drinks. You know what I'm saying? I like being, you know, lit. I like, you know what I'm saying? Being, being a little sauced up, whatever. At the end of the day. Uh, we can start to embrace and enjoy habits that we form for ourselves. And so all I'm advocating is, look, only you only have to adopt this if you want something to be different in your life. If you're cool with where you are, and that's what I'm saying, a lot of, like you said, in the age that we're in, a lot of people are just cool with where they are. The, the reason why the world is what it is, is, and the reason that there's a disparity between the haves and the have-nots is those that have are the ones that that fell in love with the process every day of going and getting it. You know what I'm saying? So those that have fell in love with the process of, of every day going and getting it. The folks that have the physiques that are posting every day on Instagram, they fell in love with the process of every day going and getting it. It's a mundane process. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You go to the same gym, you lift up the same iron, them joints don't change. You do the same exercises. You know what I'm saying? If you want the if you want those results, yeah, you could try some different, you know, machines, et cetera. But most folks that are really like students in the game, it's just like, look, I'm gonna do what Arnold Schwarzenegger was doing. I'm doing bench press, or do I pull ups, or do I barbells or whatever? Yeah, I got machines or whatever. I don't like these machines, you know? And that's what I've seen when I go to the gym. The guys will be like, Look, I don't I don't really mess with those like weird, you know, rocket machines or whatever. I just right. use the straight up like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Whatever it is. But they fell in love with that process. And then when you fall in love with the process, then it's not work. You're doing what you love to do. And that's why people always say, hey, try to find your passion because when you love what you do, then you never work a day in your life. Mm-hmm. So for me, um, to your to your question, it's not work. You know what I'm saying? I wake up and this is, a, I actually love this. I actually love this process. 
And I've been able to fall in love with the process in the same way that I never acquired a taste for alcohol. You know what I'm saying? Because people fall in love with that process. Yo, it's a weekend. I'm going to go get lit. I'm going to get my 1942, my whatever it is. You know what I'm saying? And at the beginning, it was bitter. At the beginning, the hangover, I didn't like it. At the beginning, I had the headache. You know what I'm saying? But after a while, you just, oh, that's just part of it. That's just part of it. I'm going to just eat that because it's part of it. You know what I'm saying? And you fall in love with that process. And that's great for me. You know what I'm saying? Because that allows me to have that kind of differentiation. And so what we're talking about here is uh, is only for a select few. You oh, know what I'm saying? Okay. What we're talking about here is only that's for a select few. What you know what I mean? Yeah, what do you tell someone that is watching this? Feel yeah. great, like, bro, I'm going to go get it, all this, but don't know what they want to go get. Oh, man, well, you definitely got to find out what you want to go get. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? You got to find what you want to go get. And actually, the beauty of it is, uh, look, for people that don't know what they want to go get, nine times out of ten, they want to go get some money. You know right. what I'm saying? So if you really want to go get some money, just watch The Pursuit of Happiness and, like, you just figure out what the clearest pathway is to go get some money and go get good at that. You know what I'm saying? Now, you know, we would hope that it's uh, it's legal. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but at the end of the day, like, you know what I'm saying? Uh, I've had so many people, like even friends of mine, are just like, yo, Ryan, you know, if you really want to go get money, you should just go be a trader. You know what I'm saying? You, you, you should oh, go, go to Wall Street. Go, go, to, go, to, go to, you know, figure out something that's going to get you a check every, you know, every single couple of weeks or whatever. And for me, that was the that was a real eye opener for me. That uh, for me is 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 um, yeah, I, I am about my paper, but I'm about my paper because I know the value that I bring, and I want to make sure that I'm always getting compensated what I'm worth, <laughs> right? Um, but I want to be compensated for doing what I love to do. You know what I'm saying? And to be compensated for doing what you love to do, the cream always rises to the top. You know what I'm saying? And and that's what I would say. I would say that probably, man, maybe even in athletics too, even in athletics too, you know, it's very rare in, in humanity where there's a true meritocracy. A meritocracy meaning that the best people are the ones that get the awards and the accolades right. and the money yeah. and everything. That's why everything I'm talking about with regards to relationships is so important because the people that get the promotions and the raises and the looks etc are the connected. ones yeah. absolutely hard work bro. beats talent mm. what's up hard work being a talent yeah 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 talking. and doing the hard work from a relationship building standpoint right. you know yeah talking right. a little bit more on the communication uh more so the the nuances of a conversation yeah um for example like uh someone that follows like the 48 laws of power okay. and how I was saying, uh, you know, turnoffs. Like, I feel like when I run into someone who, you know, lives by that <laughs> 48 laws book. of power, okay. it's really kind of a turnoff. It's like, man, I don't know. Oh, well, to... give me an example. Give me an example. Just uh, the dominance of conversation. Yeah, the dominance, the... like that tough guy kind of stern mentality. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, listen, I feel like people should just be genuine. That's you know, it, it, just be genuine. And don't put it on. Yeah. Yeah. One, one of my, one of my really good friends is a neuroscientist. Um, that's fire. And uh, listen, you know, she she just said we talk about this kind of, the, you know, these subjects. And she says, like, look, people will just size you up in like the first 30 seconds, not even 30 seconds of meeting you. Yeah, they just size you up. Oh, I don't trust this guy. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah, he ain't real. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And then now you got to do all the work of like, the counter. you know, <laughs> counteracting that or whatever. So it's better just. People respond to honesty. That's why there are Oscars and Emmys, you know, Oscar and Emmy Awards, right? Because someone made you, you literally went to the theater, you knew it was a 
movie and somehow you still felt like it was real. You know what I'm saying? Mm. You get an award for that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you get an award for that. So people respond to honesty. And so, you know, I would say always lead with, with just who you are because at least people know what they're getting. They may not like it, but they'll appreciate that they know what they that they know what they're getting. Right. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? That's why that's how I feel. Mm. You know, but I, I mean, I listen. Trust me, I think uh, you know someone definitely gave me the Forty Eight Laws of Power when I was you know coming up, and yeah. you read that book, and you know, Get I mean, up off yeah, that. yeah, you're like, oh man, you know, I'm gonna be a teller of the hunt. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, Whoever yeah, else yeah. it is that he's talking about, and yeah, I think you know, I I think. Um, I think that book is actually more to, um, you know, now that I look at it in hindsight, is more to be able to recognize. As a defense tool. Yeah, it could be, yeah. Not defense, but like to know what you're dealing with. Yeah, to you know, know you don't even with. know what it is, yeah. people can use it on you all day. Yeah, but exactly. Like you can kind of know it. Exactly, exactly. But, but I think to your point, it's just like when someone's just consistent, like after a while, like people are gonna, people are just gonna be like, "Yo, that's 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 extraordinary. He's extraordinary." Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? When somebody's consistent, like to that level, where they're calling you every week and mm-hmm. and they always got something valuable or mm-hmm. an ask or, "Yo, you know, I, last week I know you said you couldn't do it, but this week, you know, I'm raising for X, Y, and Z or whatever it is." You know what I'm saying? After a while, somebody be like, "Yo, that's extraordinary." He's you good. know what I mean? That He's extraordinary. Good. Exactly. And that's what I think. I think that's what we want to be, you know, to at least a select group of people, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um. Now, well, first of all, are there any are there any books that you've read that have really kind of helped you and partic- particularly staying hyper focused and being calculated? Man, <sighs> man. My mom and dad, you know, they read me the Bible a lot. And there were a lot of there are a lot of great stories in the Bible, which is why, you know, which is why for people's whole lives, they go every Sunday and it just they never change the book. <laughs> it's always the same book. It's always the Bible. You know what I'm saying? That's what my whole lives. That's what my grandparents, you know what I'm saying, still in that book, right? And so uh for me, I've mostly been a student of life. I've been a student of, um, I ask a lot, I ask a lot of questions. I'm talking a lot today, but I'm talking a lot today because I've asked a lot of people that I respect and admire these exact questions. And so I wanted to get on this podcast to be able to share some of the learnings and findings and knowledge that I've acquired over the years. Mm. And so, um, the book that, uh, that I believe would have been most valuable to me has yet to be written, which is why I'm writing it. And that's how I believe uh, real value actually is created. So when we go all the way back to the Cassie conversation uh, on MySpace, the blueprint to breaking someone on the internet at that time still had yet to be created, so we created it, right? Uh, and you know, with my technology Superphone, the blueprint of actually having, like everything I talked about today, that's actually all in the Superphone product. Like it literally, and it, I, Folks at home are going to be unable to see this, but I, you know I'm on text with with ninety eight thousand people. Man, that's what it said last time. Yeah, last time was like forty, forty or yeah, sixty. Yeah, or something. yeah, yeah. Number keeps going up. Yeah, yeah. So, so I'm on text with ninety eight thousand people, and they're all 
meticulously organized. So I could go right now and say like, okay, how many photographers do I know? 165. Mm -hmm. How many investors do I know? 330. When I started, I knew zero investors. Why? Because growing up, my mom was like, yo, don't take no money from nobody. You know what I mean? It's just some from the Caribbean islands. Like You don't want to be in debt. You don't want to owe nobody anything. So for me, once I got to somebody, I was like, look, I'm just invest my, in myself. I'll pay my dad back because he, he put up some money or put up uh, his credit, you know what I'm saying, to get me some equipment. I pay him back, and then I'm not, I'm never going to take no loans from anybody. So, but once I started to to raise funds for Superphone, I'm like, oh, I've been so self reliant for all this time. I don't have any investors in my phone book now. I have 334 investors because I went around, took all the meetings, flew to San Francisco and everywhere else, kept all their numbers, send them updates on the company, whatever it is, and so, um, you know. There wasn't a way for me to do that on text before, so I had to create it, you know? Mm -hmm. And they say the best way to uh, predict the future is just invent it, you know? So I have a, I, I have a vision of what the future is gonna be, a, a future that is, uh, that's connected, that's transparent, um, you know? Because I also believe that your relationship graph is correlated to how often you communicate with someone. Right. And your relationship graph is also going to be correlated to how quick they respond or do they pick up your phone calls. Right. So I'm building intelligence into Superphone, which will tell me actually, you know, I mean, we could go through your phone right now and we already have like a human. Uh, we have a human gauge of how close we are to people in our phone. Like we can literally, you know, go through your phone. I can I can pick six random names and I'll be on a scale of one to ten. How close are you to them? And you will just be able to know. Just kind of gauge it. And I believe that technology can allow us to, to take it a, a step further where it can it can actually just tell us um, with greater clarity, you know, um, hey, listen, man, it takes this person this amount of time to respond to your text. It takes this person this amount of time. They never answer your phone call unless you call them three times. Mm. When you get on the phone, this is how long you average this is how long you spend on average. This is the length of time in between your phone calls, you know what I'm saying, uh, in weeks or days or hours, right? Yeah. And then based on that, you could build a graph of how close you are to people, right? Mm -hmm. And then basically, you know, when you need an introduction, you'll eventually just be like, yo, show me your graph with Ryan Leslie. Are you really that close to him? Because I'm looking <laughs> for an intro. And then yeah. if it shows that, like, they just text me all the time, I never respond. We've never been on the phone. It's like, you probably want to get introduced by somebody else. Yeah, you know yeah, what I'm yeah. saying? Then by, you know, whoever else is saying, yo, I know Ryan. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think Damn. that uh, when, you, when you're saying, like, hey, what are my favorite books, et cetera, the book that I always wanted to someone to give me, besides All You Need to Know About the Music Industry, you know, by Donald Passman, which was really, like, my textbook on the music industry um and also ben horowitz's book the hard thing about hard things because i you know this is my first time building a, a technology startup so i wanted to to learn from one of the greats in that regard uh i would also say uh just because i'm really just a student of like the human psyche i would say uh there's a scientist by the name of dan Ariely, and he wrote a book called predictably irrational uh which is basically just talks about everything that we talked about where like okay um, you know, if we were fully, I'll give you an example. If we're fully rational beings, then we, we would think in terms of percentages. Okay. So if we think in terms of percentages, then, um, let's say we, we need a toothbrush. Okay. So we go to Dwayne Reed and, uh, the toothbrush is $2, right? But somebody says like, yo, right down the street, the toothbrush is only a dollar, right? That's a 50% 
discount, right? Mm-hmm. We probably wouldn't walk for the 50% discount. He's like, oh, it's only 50% discount. Now, if it was, uh, let's say it's a pair of J's, right? So you you got, you know, some Jordan ones, you see they $500. Somebody says, yo, down the street, they're $250. If we were, if we were, uh, you know, rigidly rational, the same way we thought about the toothbrush is the same way we think about the J's. It's like, look, if there's a 50% discount on the toothbrush, I'm walking down the street to get my 50%. If the J's are $250 cheaper, I'm walking down the street to get, because you think in terms of percentages and it's predictable. And he talks about just how predictable, predictably irrational we are as human beings. We never actually think straight ahead rationally. Right. And then we're all really smart. So we'll talk ourselves out of whatever, whatever we're not performing in or we'll we'll literally just talk ourselves of all the great reasons the smarter you are the better reasons you can come up with for why you're not doing whatever you're supposed to be doing you know what i'm saying <laughs> and trust me i've definitely dealt with this i got i got a you know i have an awesome internship program and you know I, I i try to bring on the smartest kids or folks to come and work with me and they have the greatest explanations i don't even call them excuses the greatest explanations for why they may be underperforming or they didn't think about this or whatever as opposed to just being like you know what i'm I'm, I'm gonna just get at it a different way the next time you know what i'm saying because a lot of us we like to be we 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 um man i think that's one of the dangers of instagram is that it allows us to kind of curate the image of who we want to be mm. you know uh and uh i think to your point where it's just like, look, you know, you got to recalibrate the promises that you make to yourself based on who you really are. You know what I'm saying? And you you got time. We we got time on earth to evolve into being great. We don't have to be great out the gate. You know what I'm saying? It's, right. and, and people appreciate a come up story. You know, people appreciate being able to see someone, you know, start. That's why people like those before and after pictures. You know what I'm saying? Right. You know, getting back to the gym, you know, people mm-hmm. love to see that journey mm-hmm. actually, you know, uh, come into fruition in that way. So, yeah. So the books, I'm writing a book called uh, Success at the Speed of Communication, mm-hmm. uh, which basically means that anything you really want in life, any goal that you want to accomplish is directly correlated to who you're mm-hmm. talking to. And how do you actually talk to those people the right way? And how do you like the questions you were asking? Like, OK, I'm going to make 30 phone calls a day. But like, what do I mean? What do they look like? What would I even talk about, right? Mm. So that's why I'm saying if you're an independent artist or you're a producer, you actually do have a clear reason for why you would call people. You got, you, you, do you have five music managers in your phone? If not, you got to make the 30 phone calls until you actually have the five music managers that will actually pick up your call because it's, it's only currency if there's a current. They don't pick up the call. Then it's, it's a one-sided relationship. You need mm. that thing to be two-way. And so... You, if you're making music all the time, you want to have an outlet for that music, you know, and that outlet, you know, listen, you might, you might hit it big and, and catch a lucky break on SoundCloud or Instagram. You're going to be way better off and have a lot more control of the outcome when you're getting the music to the right people. Mm. For sure. For sure. Mm. You know what I mean? Now, it, it's one thing, you know, to, to know all this and everything, but now we, we're in an industry, we're in a business where there's the side of, oh, I'm an artist, I'm a producer, I need to be in the studio drinking lean, smoking weed, all that stuff. And how do you stay fi- hyper-focused in an industry that is kind of built around that? Man, uh, listen, I just, I, uh, I, uh, I really relish the idea and the position of being the different one. You know what I mean? And uh, listen, you know, 
like uh uh man uh i think it was a clip of that uh, i think it was a clip of uh puff and, and and lil wayne and he was like yo when you try to be different then you just end up being the same and so and what i mean by that is uh okay let's just say if i if if we wanted to go to any you know rap music fan that's not really a rap music fan but they just like the music and they like the culture and they say and you and you say you know describe a rapper then actually they actually are are all the same they got a lot of tats you know this type of (laughs) drip you know what i'm saying you know what i'm saying but they did that so they could be different you know what i'm saying but now they actually all the same you know what i'm saying bro just posted that same fit same pick you know yeah yeah exactly you know what i'm saying so for me like as I started to realize like the the actual power of standing out, um, then that's 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 how I was able to stay focused. You know what I mean? And listen, I'm not knocking anybody's hustle. You know, you gotta do what you gotta do to be great. You know what I'm saying? So if if you feel like, you know, I I write a little bit better when I'm uninhibited, or you know, my mind goes to a certain place when I'm on this, you know, chemical. I'm not knocking that. You know what I'm saying? I'm just, all I can do is speak my truth and in, in the way that I am. And, you know, you take the gems and the and the jewels and whatever applies to you and, and apply it to your life or apply it to your pathway. And, um, you know, but I'm going to keep living how I'm living. You know what I mean? Because I'm me, you know? And that's, and that's what I really, that's what I really hope people do take away from this is just like, however you're living, as long as it's working for you, you know what I mean? And it's helping and it's creating value then be the best version of that because we need that. We need that, you know, that unique approach. We need that unique perspe- perspective. You know what I'm saying? Because all of us have a unique perspective. We all didn't come up the same. You know, even if there are similarities, there are still, you know, very great differences between every single one of us as human beings, you know? Straight up. Well, definitely. Um, I want to get into... Uh little bit kind of more talking about uh on the production side um for instance in your black mozart um documentary there was a scene where uh you had just came back from the club cardiac played you a beat mm-hmm. and he um you know and he wrapped you a hook mm-hmm. how important is it for for a producer to kind of express that vision versus just like press and play and just oh that's super watching? important it's super important it's super important whatever you could do to spark the creativity and just keep it going then you got to do that, you know, especially if you have the idea, you have a concept, you know what I mean? Because that's that's how fluid it really is in the studio. Like I said, sometimes I'll keep a mistake, but that's just because I I, I was trying, I was mm-hmm. going for something and you have to always be going for something. So when you detect a lull in the, you know, in the process, in the flow, you got to do whatever it, it takes to actually inject some magic into that flow because it's getting recorded. You know what I'm saying? It's getting recorded. I've only had one conversation with Quincy Jones, the legend. Mm-hmm. That's a real legend. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And he just said, look, you know, when you create music, you have to make sure that music is giving you the goosebumps because when someone else listens to it, they're just listening to a recording. Mm-hmm. So... That thing got to give you the goosebumps mm. if you even want to have a chance mm. of moving somebody else. You know what I mean? And so I believe it's, a, I think it's ridiculously important as a producer. That's what you're doing. You're producing a recording. That recording is going to live forever. You know, I've been listening actually recently to um this group called uh, Change. 
is an Italian duo, and they actually discovered a singer. Uh, and they discovered this singer named Luther Vandross, <laughs> and they put him on this record. This song is called "The Glow of Love," and man, you know that there's just a mood. There's a there's a vibe on that record. I'm listening to it over and over again. It's just there's a there's a vibe on there, and and like I said, so some of my favorite recordings. There's a vibe. There's a there's an energy, and so as a producer. That's what you're doing. You're producing a recording. That thing's going to live over and over and over again. It might get streamed 100 million, 200 million, a billion times. Mm. You got to put that magic in there. It's mm. important. That's your job, mm. you know? Mm. What do you think is the most important skill you produce or you possess as a producer or artist? Ah, man. The most important skill, man. Man. Jeez. I mean, when you really think about skill, is it really about skill? Is it really about skill? I mean, you know, this, wouldn't that mean that all the, you know, kids that went to Juilliard and were like, you know, really skillful, classically trained pianists or violinists or cello players or whatever would be the ones that like really, you know, had the greatest impact, I, you know? Listen, my dad used to listen to uh, Willie Nelson, man. You know what I mean? He always used to be like, look, you know, he's no Pavarotti. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? An opera singer is super skillful, but he wrote a song that's like the hook was, you're always on my mind. You're always on my mind. That's the whole hook. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It just resonated. Mm -hmm. So I would, you know, is it a skill to just be yourself? Is it a skill to just be as authentic as possible? You know, I feel like that's innate, mm. you know? So I would say the most important element, as opposed to skill, per se, is to be yourself. Now, for yeah. me, being myself is actually trying to be as nice as I possibly could be in whatever area, but that's me. You know, for somebody else, it might just be like, you know, somebody started the mumble rapping, you know what I mean? So, and that's them, you know? And that, and that has spawned an entire, you know. Generation. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? So I think that the most important element is just be authentic and be yourself, you know. And really, you got to know yourself. You got to go through whatever you got to go through. Be uninhibited, you know. And I think also, you know, it's important as an artist and as a producer, if we're talking about producers, producers, it's important to bring out an artist the unfiltered versions of themselves because in a lot of situations the song or the music that you're listening to is what you know you always wanted to say but didn't know how to say it but your favorite artist said it for you you know what i'm saying you love somebody this much but you know jacques said to say it for you <laughs> you know what i'm saying or whatever it is you know what i'm saying or or you, you know, you really into somebody physically, but you don't know how to say it. So you, you let Marvin Gaye say it, or <laughs> Chris Brown, or somebody else. You know what I mean? So, as a producer, I think it's also important, like to your point, of uh, creating a zone where the artist feels comfortable being unfiltered. Because in many times on those recordings, those recordings are saying, and will be speaking on behalf of people who. They, ha they have that emotion. They're just not sure exactly how to put it into words. And the beauty of music is that the words are even more powerful because the melody and the song and the, the bass line or right. the sad cello or the sad piano is, you know what I mean? Or mm -hmm. that little harp that Neo used to, you know, 
You know what I mean? And you hear that, you hear them little harps. You're like, oh man, you know what I'm saying? You feel it how, however mm. he made you feel with those records. And that's why those records go. So I think, uh, I think, yeah, I think the most important element is actually uh, to be yourself. And as a producer, I think it's important to create a zone in the environment where the artist feels comfortable enough being an unfiltered version of themselves so that there's that kind of strength on the record. Does that start with a moment of vulnerability on the producer's part? Yeah, it could start with yeah, it could yeah, it could definitely start with that. You know, I like there's a there's an interview somebody sent me uh, about Cassie talking about our album, and she said, "Look, you know, when I first started, it was Ryan just like, yo, sing this, et cetera. And then she was like, but then he started to ask me like, "How's my day?" And you know, <laughs> what's what's going on with this guy? And you know, et cetera. Oh, and then shoot. you know, well, how does that make you feel? And mm, you know what I'm saying? So pulled it out. Yeah, exactly. Mm. To really just you know give her an opportunity to to like I said, have that zone to just be comfortable enough to be an unfiltered version of yourself. You know, and you never know who you're going to touch. You never know uh, how how the record is going to actually hit somebody. I mean, listen, you know, there's people today that tell me like, hey. You know, uh, whether I'm at a show or I ask somebody what their favorite song is and they say, well, it's, you know, their favorite song is the name of another girl. Like I had a record on my first album called Irina, I-R-I-N-A. And there'll be girls be like, oh, that's one of my favorite songs. It's not even her name. You know what I mean? But they like it. The, the music, something about it, whatever, just spoke to them. You know what I mean? Um, so yeah, I think it's, yeah, I think a moment of vulnerability, having a conversation seeing, you know, what's happening on a human level. You want to capture that on record. Mm. Yeah, for sure. Now we, uh, we talked a lot about independency, you know what I mean? And stuff mm -hmm. like that. Um, you know, even as like a producer and stuff like on our last episode, we were talking to a producer that recently in the last year made 1.2 million by applying sales funnels to selling beats online. Yeah. And, you know, he's kind of been an innovator in that area. Who was that? Who was that producer? Oh, uh, his name is Gabe from Legion Beats. Okay. Yeah, and it was crazy. People they've been loving that episode. He dropped a whole bunch of gems. Um so with with all these opportunities that are out there, like, you know, you've created experiences, you know, you got your um private jet that can mm -hmm. come do that experience mm -hmm. with you. You got your lifetime album. Mm -hmm. And I know you've talked about the the build how important it is to the build the experiences and provide experiences. But why do you think there's a psychological what are the psychological differences between someone that recognizes those opportunities versus someone like that's a producer that's out here, man, I'm making beats, man, I just need to get signed. I need to get signed. They don't feel like they own that um, control. Yeah, well, I mean, listen, everybody's built differently. Goes back so, to that. So, sometimes you need to get signed. You know what I mean? Don't use it as a cop-out. If that's if really, you just like, yo, I, I, I need to get signed because all I'm going to do is make beats. Then, yeah, then right. you need to make them phone calls and figure out who just need somebody to just make beats. Now, it may be more challenging, right? You may have less control of your destiny. At the same time, you gotta be, you, you gotta be real and true to who you are, you know? And that is, that is much different than giving yourself an excuse. Yo, I didn't mm. make it because I need to get signed. Well, if you need to get signed, then what are you doing every day? What what mm. what, what are the 30 phone calls Thanks. you're doing every day? Where are you showing up? Mm. What is your, you know, what kind of value are you offering in return for somebody to give you that opportunity to be signed? You know what I mean? So that's, you know, that's what I would say in, in that regard. Everybody's built differently. You know what I mean? I've always just been built to be a hustler, like just to make it happen. Like, you know what I'm saying? To, you know, come back from a, a million dollar lawsuit. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like I've just, I've just been built that way. 
And I enjoy that process. I, I can't impose my enjoyment of that process on someone else in the same way that someone can't in, impose their enjoyment of alcohol on me. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? I just don't, you know, I, it never connected with me. And I like, and I might be a, an outlier because of that. I feel like it's important for people to just live in their truth. You need to get signed because that's how you feel. Like, look, I just need somebody I could just hand my stuff to and can make that happen. All I want to do is just stay in the studio and do whatever I have to do to make the most incredible stuff possible. You, your stuff just needs to be better than that person that's signing's boy. You know what I'm saying? Because he's going to give his boy a chance before you. Right, <laughs> you know what right. I'm saying? So your stuff better be way better than his boys or people that he knows. Or you have to infuse yourself into his network or whoever else. So you are his boy. Right, right. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's what we're talking about here. Like, Big listen, there's, there's so many different ways of getting it. You know, there's so many different ways of getting it. And you, you just have to, you, you just have to choose one, be intentional about it and be consistent. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Cause, uh, yeah, be consistent. You, you, you know, listen, I know a lot of folks that, uh, that pivot their strategy because they, they, they're either lazy or, you know, they give up too easily. So they say, oh, well, actually, I want to do this instead. You know what I mean? I'd just rather do this, you know? Mm -hmm. Oh, that looks like it'll be easier. And I mean, listen, I'll be honest with you. That's how I actually came to the keys. You know what I mean? Because my father was a trumpet player. So he originally put a cornet in my hand. And I, I have an overbite, so it was affecting my embouchure when I was playing. And it hurt, and my lips were getting swollen. And I'm watching my sister at home just, like, playing the keys. It's, you know, and... That's and it was great and everybody loved it and I'm struggling over here with the I'm swollen. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, look, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna touch them keys. Once I decided that that was gonna be my pathway, though, I was very consistent, intentional about it to the point where my mm. sister would be like, "Yo, Ryan's hogging the piano." You know what I'm saying? She complained to my mom, "Yo, my guy is practicing six, seven hours a day, like, and he's not even good. So I don't even <laughs> want to listen to it." But he's just going at it with that kind of, you know, that kind of appetite for success. And so that's what I mean is that like, you know, you have to be very clear with yourself. You got to know yourself enough to be like, look, am I just saying I need to get signed because that's a cop out excuse? Because I, you know, whatever, I I really want to be independent. If you really want to be independent, then the blueprint is late. They listen to the last podcast. Right. They got to do whatever they got to do to get that blueprint and follow it. Mm -hmm. To the extent that you're like, yo, I want to get signed. Then you do what you need to do to go get signed. Self-awareness. Yeah. And you just got to go do it. Like, it's you could get it. You could get it out here. Mm. Straight up. Make them phone calls. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess I guess I, sometimes, I guess I watch too much. I'm, you know, so into the entrepreneurship and marketing. Yeah. You know, I'm constantly watching, like, Gary Vee contests. At one point, I even had a fear, like, damn, everybody's going to be an entrepreneur. It's going to be way harder. <laughs> but, you know, it's really not the case, like you hey. said. Yeah. But, I mean, also, you got to think, like, you don't need a huge audience to, to make a living, Fact. you know? So like, look, you know, it's very, I mean, there's a reason why it's only one Amazon. The only reason, there's a reason why it's only one Facebook. There's a reason, you know what I mean? Like th those are outliers in terms of like generating, you know, billions and billions of dollars, you know, millions of dollars per minute, right? Mm -hmm. Look, give me two of those minutes. I'm good. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> those multi-million dollar minutes. I'm good, right? I'm so, so, so that's what I'm saying is that like, listen, you know, for me, when I had a, uh, a you know, uh, a ridiculous album cycle, that ridiculous album cycle really, you know, from a monetary standpoint, you, you're going to find repeat customers that, that are spending a thousand dollars with you. hundred people at a thousand dollars, a hundred bands. A hundred people at a thousand dollars, a hundred bands. 
do you have a value proposition of a thousand dollars that a hundred people would respond to? Right. That's the question. Mm. So that's why with music, and the reason why I differentiated between music and experiences is that music has gotten to the point where, you know, the price for consuming music has has been driven down so much, right? Mm-hmm. It's been driven down. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, uh, it's, you know, 0.004 cents a stream or something like that, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the music is really uh, a loss leader in many cases, right? So it's a loss leader, meaning that you lead, you might right. lose some money on the music, but mm-hmm. if you could draw them into the experience, mm-hmm. like, you know what I'm saying? Like 200 people at $200 is 40 bands. Right, like just get, you know, get up on your math and, and, and get it right. You <laughs> and know, what if I'm you saying? lose ten grand making the album, it's like that was just part of it. Exactly. Right. So for me, like you know, that's why I did a you know I, I did a New Year's party in the castle for five years because two hundred people at two hundred dollars is forty mm. bands. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So whatever I was getting to actually fly somewhere and do my little you know three songs when the ball drop, I could be having my own castle party. Mm. I'm all for the experience. Mm. You know what I mean? No, that's that, that's a gem that that reminds me of. Uh, there was like a grocery store who uh, started selling rotisserie chickens. Okay, and they sell them for like four ninety nine. You know the hot rotisserie chickens. They actually lose money on every rotisserie chicken, but they know people are gonna go into the store. Oh, let's go grab a rotisserie chicken tonight. They're gonna grab some other things. Of course, facts. of course, <laughs> of course, of course. The, the lost leaders. That's a yeah. Gem. That's so, like Nipsey said. He said, I, "I give his music away for free and making double back in shows." Yeah. Absolutely. That's what you just said. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Yes, yeah, for real. I mean, listen, um, I, I could break down my album cycle right now. When I when I decided to sell my album over text, I made it exclusively available on text. 35,000 people texted in. Mm-hmm. And now, obviously, I'd already built a large audience, but 35,000 people texted in. The first text everybody got was, hey, thanks for texting. I don't recognize this number. I love to stay in touch. Can you add yourself to my contacts? They add themselves to the contacts. And then I could check when they add themselves to the contacts that they buy my album. Right, they didn't buy my about. album. It was sending them a text. Yo, you know, John, Michael, Sarah, whoever else it is. Yo, thanks very much. I got your info. Notice maybe you didn't hear about my album. Here's a link to check it out. So the first part, 35,000 people texted. They all got a text. 33,000 people because mm-hmm. it's free. Gave me their information. So now I got 33,000 people's information. Now I send them a text. Yo, buy my album. One out of every two bought. There's only 17,000 people bought, right? At $10 an album, that's only 170,000. But when we did the shows, the shows was $45 a ticket. 40,000 people came to the shows. Mm. You know what I'm saying? That's $1.6 million. You know what I'm saying? So exactly what you said. Yeah, the album is $10, whatever, 17,000 people. People don't go to shows by themselves. So if you could text them, yo, come to the show. They're going to bring a friend or two or three. You know what I'm saying? So, and I got everybody's direct cell phone number. So I just text everybody, yo, come to my show, bring somebody. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. They came. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. And they brought two or three. So 17,000 people that bought the album, 40,000 people came to the show, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Which is two or three X number of people that bought the album because that experience is also one of a kind. My show at the Bowery Ballroom on Friday is only happening one time on that Friday in that year. And whoever comes out at that show, whether it's Banks or Push or or Fab or whoever else, you know, that's a one that's a one time experience. One time. You know what I mean? So there's a there's an increased uh value that's placed on that one time experience, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. that I I agree wholeheartedly with what Nip is saying. You know, what what he was saying with that for sure. Mm-hmm. Now do you still do your um lifetime album, one one song a month? Nah. So 
really a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of um, and you can still get the you can still go to go to mgrt.life and get the songs that were that mm. did happen up to that point. A lot of my ideas usually happen in advance of technology being available and and uh, uh, able to support that idea. Mm. So once I found that there were some technological challenges to actually delivering it and delivering the music, and also what I found is that even though it's great in concept, most people when they're driving. They just want to be able to find it on Spotify and play it. You right, know, right. so if they have to go to a different app yeah. different and go to their email and download the song and then they're playing that from a different app, yeah. like you, I want to make, you know, I, I realized, yeah, yeah, yeah. I realized right. that, you know, you want to make the, you, when you want to be woven into the soundtrack at the barbecue or the trip or the yeah. whatever, mm, you got to be there. Yeah, you, you got to be, be where, where the rest of the music is. Now, see, this goes back to what I was saying. Like, okay. Made said I want to do an album every day or every month, one every month. Did you feel any challenge, or were you like, no? I mean, I, I've only I only made that commitment because I mean, the song a month. If you're a creator, it's nothing. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, so for me, it really had much more to do with, with the, the technological challenge of, executing, you. right? But it didn't like hinder the creativity, like because we've tried like you know uh, subscription models in the past with some of our stuff, and it kind of it kind of hindered the creativity because it became a job and it's like, oh man, next Tuesday, we got to have something out by Tuesday. Yeah, well, the the the, the real beauty of uh, subscription models is is either you have a perishable consumer product good, right? Which is like, you know, uh, like for me, like when I run out of, um, uh, I run out of, you know, my favorite fruit or milk or something, I'm just gonna subscribe and get it again. You know what I mean? It can be the exact same thing. I know, or toothpaste. I like, I subscribe to this company, Quip, which is a toothbrush, which basically every three months they send me, it's an electric toothbrush, they send me a new joint and they send me the, so I don't have to worry about like running out of toothpaste, literally, because you know what I'm saying? So subscription businesses, I think, really should be founded in either A, evergreen content, where like you you deliver it as a drip campaign and you already have 70 episodes or 250 episodes. Mm -hmm. And as soon as somebody subscribes, they're just in a drip campaign and, just, and then you never have to worry about it. And it's evergreen content, right? Mm -hmm. So that means that it's, it's uh, applicable to whenever someone listens to it for the first time, which is how music kind of is, right? Um, or it needs to be a perishable consumer product good, like, groceries or hair care product or whatever, something <laughs> yeah. that becomes somebody's favorite and they'll just be like, look, I want to automate this in my life so then I don't have to think about it. Mm. You know what I mean? That so that's sense. what I'm saying. Like, I believe that, you know, when you're going to do a subscription model, you should have a lot of that content just already preloaded in me. Yeah. A whole lot of sense. So then you're not always like, you know, rushing and jumping yeah, against yeah. the gun. Chasing it's your tail. Like, yeah. So like right now, I, I, I'm running a subscription um uh, just about financial literacy. It's called The Wealth Plan, Ryan Leslie's Wealth Plan. So the content is evergreen because it literally, people can subscribe and then over the next 12 months, I'll literally, I literally send you a text every month with one aspect or area of my portfolio mm. that you can mirror, mm. right? So if you thought about crypto before, you thought about the stock market, you thought about a hedge fund, you thought about real estate investing, and you want to be able to get into it, even if you only have $500 or $1,000 and you want to be like, look, I'm mirroring exactly what mm. Ryan's doing, somebody subscribes and they're going to get that for the that's next fine. 12 months. You know what I'm saying? It's called Wealth Plan. Mm. So, because also that's the other book that I felt like people just did. I, I'm like, yo, I didn't get any financial literacy classes at Harvard. Well, you know, where was the uh, where was the class on 
don't mess up your credit. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Where was the class on like, yo, you make more in this kind of asset than you make in a savings account. You yeah. know what I mean? Where's where where was that class at? You know what I mean? And sometimes I believe that that is the that that is where the divide between classes continues to exist because the separation of reality right when it's not taught in the home mm -hmm. and it's also not taught in the school then the the situations perpetuated mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. so hey my parents never had no money like my mom right don't borrow money from anyone don't yeah. <laughs> you know what i'm saying don't take investors Meanwhile, somebody else is like, yo, son, you got a great business idea? Go ask your yeah. uncle, ask my friend I'm to invest in it. Yeah. yeah. You know what I'm saying? So I feel like that book also needs to be written. Uh, I feel like it has to be a little bit more actionable, though. So that's why I created the wealth plan. So the wealth plan is 100 bucks. And the reason why I made it 100 bucks is because people treat products for which they pay differently than products that Facts. they get for free. Yeah, so yeah. when I want someone to actually take it. the information and the process seriously, I had to put a price point on it. Now, I do have a you know situation and I have relationships with different financial providers that when somebody subscribes for $100, they get it right back when they open this account or they open that account or mm -hmm. whatever and they use my referral code, you get your money right back. But I had to put that pay gate on it because I need people to take it seriously mm -hmm. so that they can also you know, get to that point of like creating real wealth. Because listen, you know, somebody might come up on a $1.2 million a year and I'm sure they'd love for that to just always be consistent. That may or may not be the case. What is the case is the money that you do make put in the right places. Yeah. Compound interest, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. You gonna be you you gonna be straight, and that's and that's really I think in, in many ways what what uh, the educational system, both uh, public and private, has failed a lot of young people. So even if you're only making thirty five thousand dollars a year, and you understand how to save, and you're still living at your parents' house, and you're putting away, and it's tax free, and all like I had to learn all that on my own. And like you said, there's a wealth of information. The, the issue that I think people have now is there's so much information. Mm. You Like he said, you could just spend all day listening to podcasts, reading this yeah. blog, reading that. And then, Overload. Like, yeah. And then by that time, it's like somebody else already made the decision to make the investment and right. whatever. And then mm. by the time you read everything, they're already up, you know, 30% or 50%, right? Because sometimes there's that kind of volatility, whether it's in, in, in whatever asset you're investing in. So by the time you spend two weeks researching somebody else is already... Yeah, he already put in. Yeah. He already invested in. Yeah. yeah. And so that's why, I, for me, for the wealth plan, it was just about like, look, let me just, you know, you can still learn as you're doing it, but I'm going to tell you exactly what I'm doing. I'm not going to say that you have to do it, but I'm going to say, this is exactly what I'm doing. If you want to mirror it, you can. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Starting with 500 or $1,000. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's dope. That's dope. I'm, I'm definitely going to check, take a look, yeah. look at because I'm, I'm at that point where I want to start learning about you know, different different ways like that, like investing in real estate or short-term rentals and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. Side businesses. Got to get it, man. Yeah. And also, that's what I'm saying. It's it's a platform world now, right? Yeah. The biggest car company doesn't own any cars. Uber, right? Mm -hmm. The biggest, uh, the big, I mean, we've seen this meme everywhere, right? <laughs> Airbnb. Airbnb. Yeah, 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 you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but but that's, that's, that's the reality of it. So there's just so much opportunity now to just make sure that you put your, you, you put your money in the right places. For me, the greatest, um, I'll say the greatest, uh, the, the greatest 
returns that I've ever gotten had to do with me betting on companies that I just knew were going to be around for a long mm. time. You know what I mean? So I saw what Rashid was doing with Google. I invested in Google. Mm. I saw how Amazon was going to change with Amazon Prime and delivering stuff on the same mm. day. And then once I started seeing like stuff coming the next day and sometimes same day, I was like, look, I'm in. You know what I yeah. mean? Shopify. Mm. I was working on Shopify. I've watched it grow. It's it's up 700%. Twilio, I built mm. Superphone on top of Twilio. Since it went public, it's up three, 400%. 3,400%. You know what I'm yeah. saying? So like my portfolio wasn't even anything crazy. It was just bets that I made on companies that I knew were just going to be around, you know? Mm. And and um, I think right now it's about ownership, you know? And so that's why I say start with your contact list. You own all the contacts in your phone. You're not even using them. Mm-hmm. it's about ownership right when you invest in a stock you actually have some ownership in that company that's the reason why they're on the public market you can you can own it so you know if you really believe in a whether it's a whether it's a an emerging company like Roly, you know what i mean you know or or it's an established company like amazon or facebook there's so many different ways to take the little money you're making from producing or whatever don't squander it on J's. You know, how many J's do you really need and who really cares right. if they fresh or not? You do, but is that really the best <laughs> use of your money? Because the $100 you spend on J's now, let's say you had invested it 10 years ago in Amazon, it's going to be worth 1000 or or maybe even 10000 yeah. You know what I'm saying? Your J's are not going to be worth 10000 even if you <laughs> keep them in a box right. and try to resell them. You know what I'm saying? So like, I think a lot of, a lot of that also is important. And I, you know, I'm watching like Envy, you know, he runs these workshops on like how to like, you know, flip houses, yeah, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And the bottom line is that, look, you know, you got to be careful with those kinds of uh, opportunities because a lot of times you're leveraging your credit. You can't have multiple mortgages and, you know, you, you need partners, et cetera. That's for me why when I got started, I said, look, I can get into the stock market and the stock market. I used to play into the stock market game, you know, right. you know, the game. A little simulator. Yeah, the little yeah. simulators oh, okay. or whatever. Um, like but, day trading kind of stuff. No, no, no. no, no like, like, actual like stocks. yeah, yeah. Oh. So, so, so basically, like, I was in middle school, and they said, like, "Look, you all have, you know, hundred k, yeah, yeah, yeah. and you <laughs> could pick, you know, and oh, Coca Cola and Nike, right, you know, right. saying so you yeah. put your little money in there and see if it grows, it goes up and down, etc." And so that that for me is just like, look, it, you know, it's it's great to be able to walk into the Apple store and be like, "Yo, I, I own this company." You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's great to be able to, you know, get your delivery from Amazon. Be like, I own this company. It's great to log into Facebook and say, I own this company. It's great to get into Uber and be like, I own this company. Yes. And that's possible. That's sure. possible. And it, it doesn't take a lot of money to do to, to do that. Like I said, man, like, I, I love the fact that y'all have given me an opportunity in sort of a forum to talk about all of this in this podcast, et cetera, uh, just because, like I said, when I was coming up, man, that... A, there weren't even podcasts. You know what I'm saying? There wasn't all the, you know, dope YouTube clips and interviews and everything that you could see. So now, in order to differentiate, you got to make sure that, like you said, your last podcast was like, yo, how do you do 1.2 million selling beats using sales funnels, right? That's clear. You know, it's a clear value proposition, right? And so I think that that's that's, uh, kudos to y'all for for giving me this opportunity in, in this type of forum to talk about everything I wish somebody when I was 20 years old or 21 actually sat me down and said, look, do this, 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 and this to increase your odds of success and reduce Mm -hmm. your dependency on luck. Not just to get success, but actually to maintain and to grow the money that you earn. You know what I mean? So that it's sustainable so you can do what you want, 
when you want, with who you want, for as long as you want. Mm. Mm. Amen. We we appreciate your time here. We appreciate right. the the conversation that you've you know put given to the community and everything, man. Yeah. This is man, this is our longest podcast ever too. <laughs> How long is it? It's we're we're at like two hours, man. What? Yeah, yeah we never we hit two been, hours. Yeah, yeah, we just been we just been zoning. There's plenty right. more. There's plenty more. You right, know what bro, I mean? My, my brain is just like there's <laughs> plenty more. So listen, you know, for everybody that's listening, uh yeah, I I, I said that I'm on text, you know, with, with more than with, with ninety eight thousand people. Mm-hmm. I talked to everybody just about like how to be valuable. You either have, you know, an offer or you have uh some ask that I can help you with really quickly. Um, and so for anybody that does want to get in touch with me, obviously, you know, I'm on my socials at, at Ryan Leslie. The best way to directly get in touch with me okay. is just leave your number at textryan.com. So I'm not even going to say a phone number that you have to remember. Textryan.com. Visit that URL. Leave your number. I'll text you right back. And make sure your ask or your offer is really good, man. And let's, let, let's build. I'm here mm. to build. Let's get it, man. Appreciate Salute. you one more time, boss, man. Yeah. Peace, Peace out. Yeah. 